the game continues on a Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon. Troy and AJ with you today. DG is out enjoying a vacation week. Mitch is out off to watch wrestling tonight. As AEW is in action in Independence. And coming up, we will hear from Mitch as he had a sit down with AEW star Chris Jericho yesterday. And we'll play that back for you coming up here in just a little bit. Of course, the story, though, that has our attention on this Tuesday. Yes, we continue to go through the postmortem of K-State falling at Oklahoma State last Friday night because, well, we haven't had a chance to do so, doggone it. I mean, it's a long time between Friday and now, but this is where we sit. And Coach Chris Kleiman had to address the media today regarding all of it. Looking back on the loss specifically, and pretty blunt about how things went. It was rough, mainly because we we know we can be better um, and um, collectively. And there really wasn't any finger pointing because I think all phases need to be better. All positions within the units can be better. That's Coach asked about uh, what the Saturday meeting was like. And he's nailing a key point, and that is not just can – the playing be better but yes the coaching can be improved and I think that that is a key critical point that we're all going to be keeping a keen eye on this week but it's not the first time that he has said it he's pretty good about putting blame on yes even the coaching staff's shoulders when games go the way that they did at Oklahoma State last Friday night yes he does and uh that's how a good coach should do it and he understands, again, 22 men out on the field, an entire coaching staff. Some days it's just not going to go right. Friday night didn't go K-State's way. He's, I love his quote always when he says it. It's always a one-week schedule, especially in this conference. And you've got to keep your motivation. Keep got to keep your eye on that. And I think that's the key the rest of the season for K-State. It's a one-game season. He said it all throughout last year. They win a Big 12 title. We'll see it again, hopefully, this year. It, and it really became that after the TCU loss last year, that that became the focus. The understanding that, yes, the schedule still could break a certain way. And it did for the Cats. Let's not discount the fact that you have yet on the schedule road game at Kansas. You still have Texas yes. looming on the schedule. No Oklahoma this year because of how the schedule has broken down. But the next home game is TCU, and they're going to be hungry mm -hmm. given the rough start that they've gotten out to. It's not season. the same TCU team on paper, no. but it's going to be a tough matchup. That said, another team that's hungry is exactly who the Cats will be facing this weekend, and that is Texas Tech on Saturday night. Coach isn't so concerned about the Red Raiders as he is about his own team for the moment, though, and says that he hopes that it responds. You know, today's practice is going to be hard. It's going to be a physical practice. It's going to be a hard practice. We're not keeping score, so to speak, but stacking those days, and then when we have that adversity, because we're going to have it on Saturday, uh, of being able to overcome it and being able to grow from it and being able to to stand up to it. And that's something that um, I know what Austin Moore is going to do. I know what Cooper Baby is going to do. It's some of the guys that maybe are pretty new to the stage and new to the scene that they got punched in the mouth last Friday night. Hopefully they learned enough from it and we can teach enough from that that we respond better. 
And that is a tremendous point. And you have to remember that a roster does change. This isn't the same team that won that title a season ago. And yet we're so good about in an offseason just looking at the success you had and expecting it to carry over. Exactly. For crying crying out loud, that's how the AP college football voters vote annually on their poll. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, Alabama did this last year. Boom, they're number two. Doesn't matter that they didn't have a quarterback at the beginning of the season. (laughs) No, no, it doesn't. And that's the problem with I have with the AP poll. And, you know, it is what it is. I mean, at least you can argue. I mean, the coaches poll is worse in my eyes because of the fact that it's usually not even the coaches that are voting in it for one. I think that's called misadvertisement. Anyway, um, (laughs) but the key for the Cats, according to Kleiman this week, get back to basics. That's why we talked as a staff on Saturday and Sunday about trying to simplify some of our plans offensively and defense and even on special teams so that the kids can play with more confidence and play with better technique. Uh, today we'll we'll do a little bit more good on good than we've probably done in the last couple weeks going the, the, the ones against the ones. And therein lies, I think, a very key point, and that is sometimes you do have to break it back down. Sometimes you can make all of these moves in terms of expanding your playbook, in terms of uh, making scheme changes defensively that are a little bit tougher because you get so involved in trying to give opponents a different look because you get so caught up in trying to do things differently because, well, we've done this for so much They're scheming against it. We need to come up with something new. Sometimes it does come down strictly to performance. Sometimes it comes down to how you scheme it. But keeping it basic is always a good thing. Well, also remember these are college kids. And there's a lot already going on in their head as it is. And when you have young players out on the field that have never played at this level before, you know they're not going to know all the terminology out of the playbook right away. So sometimes you just got to, and I think you make a great point, sometimes you just got to simplify it down for them so they're not thinking so much. They're reacting more on the field instead of thinking, and that's the key to being a successful athlete, reacting more instead of thinking. A big part of that is ensuring that there continues to be effort from the team. And Coach says that, no, what took place last Friday night was not indicative of a team that isn't putting forth an effort. We went against some good players, and they got their hands on us, as well as we didn't have very much time to throw the football. It's not a collective just receiver issue, guys. We've got to protect better. we got to throw the ball on time better. Um, we've got to run routes better without question, but it's like, why didn't we run the football well at times? Well, the offensive line and uh, the running back and the tight ends and the wideouts cracking people and the quarterback making the right read. It's never going to be one person. And therein lies the reminder that we gave you back in hour one. It's not all on the quarterback. (laughs) It's not all on the offensive coordinator. It's not all on the head coach. You know, one of the most amazing things about football, or really any sport, but, but football tends to be a huge one in this aspect. You have got to have every piece that is doing its part to be successful every piece of it absolutely to have a play be successful 
Absolutely. It's like a well-oiled machine almost. It is. You put 11 parts out there, and, oh, by the way, listening to instruction uh, from the sideline. Okay, so there's additional parts yes. thrown in. And for good measure, doing it with the noise dependent on the stadium, for example, at Oklahoma State, where it can get nice and loud, as opposed to Memorial Stadium, where, anyway. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to keep playing that as much as I can keep playing that. I mean, that's, <laughs> this may not be the year to do that, but it, 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 it's still there. It still hangs right there, you know? That, that's just Absolutely. a softball. Yep. That, that's just a softball. Uh, you have to have all of the parts performing. And on Friday night at Oklahoma State, that was not the case for the Cats. There were too many miscues. There were too many cases where the parts did not add up. I made a comment about Phillip Brooks, for example, running a fly pattern and not a curl route. It turned into a Will Howard interception. Yes, Coach admits that Will has put himself in positions at times as well to throw more interceptions than he has in the past. I like him to be aggressive, but he he can't be to a point where it, it's putting the team uh, and the offense at risk. And there was a couple of throws, you know, last week that absolutely he knows he can't make. Um, he hasn't made those in the past. But for those who are calling for Avery Johnson to be a part of the mix, first coach dispels the comments or the thought that no it's the red shirt that's playing a role here nope it hasn't you know it, it's one of those things where um once again uh I'm, I'm gonna trust the guy that's running that room because i love the guy and colin klein knows what he's doing and uh, we have a good plan the fact of the matter is is that stillwater is a tough place to go into and play it became that much tougher of a place to go into and play on a Friday night. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is. It just is a place where K-State historically has had its struggles. And AJ, you mentioned it back in hour one. Chris Kleiman has not won there yet as a head coach. There just are places that can be like that. Exactly. And it's the same thing with Oklahoma for so many years. I mean, he's 2-0 and at Oklahoma. Right. Guess what? There there are quirks in this game. There are places where teams don't play well. There are places where they do play well. There are times where your ace may not be the best guy to put on the mound in game one. Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw. Um, you know, I, I mean, there, again, it's it. It doesn't have to make sense. It happens. It happens. There's a reason why. I was leery of that game going in, even though it's off of a bye week, even though it's against an Oklahoma State team that should be worse than what uh, they've been in the past, and they've proven to be that. It's still a college football game, and you still are facing their 11 parts. Exactly. And if their 11 parts outperform you and your 11 parts, guess what winds up being the score? The fact of the matter is, that was a winnable game. It was a winnable game. We can discuss the defense's effort and play on Friday night. I thought that they played okay. 
they could have been a lot worse than what that final score wound up being. Yeah, I thought, I mean, I rewatched the game. Initially, I thought the run defense's performance was a little bit suspect against Brown. But they 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 kept us in the game. Exactly. They did that much. It was the offense that wasn't clicking and being able to extend drives or push the ball to the end zone until you got deep into the second half. Well, also, you have to, as an offense, be able to help out your defense when they are on the field for too long. Because if the defense is on the field too long, they get tired and they get in a situation where they're giving up more points than they should be. Exactly. They gave up five field goals. One offensive touchdown. I mean, if you take those field goals, just say even that it that it's two touchdowns, say, instead of two of those field goals. That changes the score, and you look like you were blown out of the place. The defense didn't allow that to happen. Exactly. And you finish with a 29-21 score, and you look to, well, try to get it back. That's all you can do at this point. Try and gain one back, and it starts this Friday night when the Cats visit Texas Tech. We'll have more on all of it over the next few days, because after all, it is Sports Talk Radio. This is what we do. We break it all down again and again and again and discuss the varying aspects of it. But to go into Lubbock this weekend, it is a a key matchup for the Cats in that it is a big crossroads guys it's tuesday and you know what that means aew dynamite tonight from cable dahmer arena in independence missouri and tonight's aew dynamite card is maybe the most stacked in dynamite history so good the first 30 minutes of tonight's broadcast will be commercial free Tonight's card features the AEW Women's World Championship match. The champion Soraya against Hikaru Shida. Ray Phoenix will put his international championship on the line tonight against John Moxley. AEW World Champion MJF will be there live. Switchblade Jay White from Bullet Club Gold will be taking on Hangman Adam Page. Number one contenders match for the TNT Championship, Swerve Strickland against the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Adam Copeland, formerly known as Edge in WWE, will be making his wrestling AEW debut tonight. As the rated R superstar Adam Copeland against Luchasaurus. And of course, you can't forget tonight, representing the Don Callis family, Powerhouse Hobbs, taking on the Ocho, the Painmaker, the Wizard, the Demo God, and future Hall of Famer Chris Jericho, who now joins us here on the game. Chris, I'm going to Wayne's World you on this first question. Before you hopped onto the interview, what was the last song you heard? Um, Josh, uh, give me shelter, Stones. My ringtone for my alarm, so that's what I heard. Oh, there you go. Well, Chris, I got to go back a couple of Sundays ago with Russell Dream and Adam Copeland making his debut in Seattle, formerly known as Edge in the WWE. He's a Hall of Famer. And what I've loved about AEW is at these big events, at these pay-per-views, something always big happens. And this being one of the more shocking moments, I'm not sure anybody saw it coming. Well, I mean, that's the good thing about AEW and the fact that we have, you know, a viable alternative promotion in this country that you can have guys going back and forth and girls going back and forth. And it makes it that much more exciting uh, for fans and for the companies involved. Uh, it definitely creates a buzz. So it, it's a win-win situation for everybody. 
Now, going back to All In, I was telling Saray about this, that you know, watching the ticket sales just grow and grow and grow and shock everybody was really fascinating. You had a lot on your plate with, of course, you performed your own song, Walking Out to the Ring, Judas, with your band Fozzie, but also Will Ospreay was your opponent. You might be the biggest name out there that has never signed officially with AEW or, or the WWE. Just take me through that day, and you know, was it a hectic day for you? Well, it was hectic to the fact it was the biggest show in wrestling history. Uh, I had a huge match against Will Ospreay and also uh, was playing myself to the ring with seeing Judas live with Fozzie. So um, I had a lot to, to, to concentrate on. And the point that we started uh, the song kind of on a riser about 100 feet up in the air, and then I had to run down some stairs, run across the platform, climb down a ladder, and get to the ground in time to start singing the song Judas. And then once that's done, then actually having to have you know a 50-minute match with one of the best wrestlers in the world. So it was quite the busy day for me, uh, you know, in, in, in front of such a large, large crowd as well. So it was just typical Jericho. It's like I won't just wrestle; I will actually sling myself to the ring as well, and everybody will be excited. And that's what happened. And it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It's something that's never been done before by anybody, as far as I know. So that made it extra cool. Around here, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs are you know kind of a big deal. Um, sure. and, and lately the big news has been the tight end Travis Kelsey has been dating Taylor Swift and she's been shown on TV and has kind of become a bigger deal than the actual game. And I remember back with the early WrestleManias, Jake, the snake Roberts had Alice Cooper in his corner for a match, came down to the ring with him. Ozzy Osbourne was with the British Bulldogs. Of course, you yourself is already established rock star, but I know you also have a very, strong passion for rock and roll history and the legends of rock and roll and heavy metal. If you could have a rock star in your corner for a match or a series of matches, who would you pick? I mean, I don't really look at things that way because it all depends on, on, on what fits, you know, and I am in a rock band, so it would probably just be someone that's my friend. But um, those types of things were very cool, and it's kind of stunt casting, so it would all depend on what the angle is. I mean, obviously, Alice Cooper has a snake. Jake Roberts has a snake. British Bulldogs are, are English, and Ozzy was you know, English. So um, it would probably have to be something that would fit the vibe of what we're doing uh, on the show and who kind of would, 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 would be the, the right performer for the job. But once again, to me, it's all about the angle and the storyline, not like, oh, I would love to walk to the ring with, you know, Mick Jagger. Boy, that would be fun. It's like, what would Mick be doing and why would he be walking to the ring that would enhance the story and enhance the match uh, that I'm about to have? So that's, that's basically what wrestling is. It's all storytelling. And you want everything to make sense uh, accordingly. AEW's Chris Jericho is our guest they're in Kansas City on Tuesday for Tuesday Night Dynamite Title Tuesday. Uh, and before we talk about your match against Powerhouse Hobbs and, and AEW, a couple of questions that we ask every wrestler here on the show. First one is, you know, my favorite noise is just a crowd pop. And, of course, Adam Copeland got one. You've had more pops in your career that you can count. But either one of yours or a pop for somebody else, what's your favorite pop of all time? I mean, you know, going back to 1999 and just debuting with the WWE, interrupting The Rock mid-speech, you know, where everybody knew that Chris Jericho was going to be there, but they didn't know. That, that was that was a great reaction, probably one of the, one of the greatest uh, career moments that I've had. Um, you know, and there's been a few. Anytime you get a, a surprise with a, with a great crowd involved, you know, going to Winnipeg is always a blast. That's where I'm from. The crowd's always insane, you know, when you're the hometown hero, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, I mean, anytime you get something where it's a, a really cool surprise, 
that people uh, will react to. You know, he's got something special. The other question, Chris, and you can arrange this in any way you want. It's your game here. But your personal wrestling Mount Rushmore, who would be the four? I mean, it's so subjective. It just depends on the day. You know, um, obviously, Shawn Michaels would be in there. Owen Hart, one of my all-time favorites. Ricky Steamboat would be in there. Hulk Hogan would be in there. You know, so, so there's, there's, there's quite a few. I guess it just depends on the day. What did you like about Owen Hart that would put him over Bret Hart? I got into Calgary Stampede Wrestling from Owen and seeing him kind of in his prime as this crazy, cool, high flyer that was doing all of these things that had never been done before, uh, all these moves that had never been seen before. He was such a hybrid of Japanese-style, English-style, Mexican-style, and, of course, the hard-hitting Canadian-style. I was just a huge fan of his right from the start, uh, basically all the way through his entire career, which is why we worked so hard to, to bring kind of Owen and Martha and his family into AEW and be associated with them. I wanted people to remember Owen uh, in a positive light, not uh, just focused in on, on the last few hours of his life and his tragic passing. So, um, yeah, Owen just, to me, had it all. He was the total package. He was much more charismatic than Brett was, in my opinion. And just his, his wrestling style, like I said, did things that I'd never seen before and still haven't seen them done properly. He was such a pioneer in so many ways uh, and really paved the way for, for, for wrestlers of my style and wrestlers... Uh, in, you know that, that have taken even that to the next level with their performances as well. Yeah, and of course, Owen's accident, you know, tragically happened in Kansas City. Well, Chris, looking at tonight, AEW Dynamite title Tuesday, a rare Tuesday night Dynamite going head-to-head with WWE's NXT. There's probably four or five matches on this card that could headline any pay-per-view. MJF is going to be there live. Your wrestling powerhouse, Hobbs. I mean, does it kind of feel like this card tonight is one of the best Dynamite cards in history? Yeah, I mean, we do a great job every week. Uh, Tony does a great job of, of putting on uh, a great show. I think this one's extra special. Obviously, Kansas is a great wrestling town. Kansas City is a great wrestling town. So whenever we go through, we want to put on something special. But, yeah, it is uh, it's kind of a pay-per-view card on free television, um, which is something that we do more often than not. Does the locker room have uh, anything planned for Tony's birthday? <laughs> Um, that's probably be a little bit of a surprise, I would imagine. But yeah, when it's the boss's birthday, I'm sure we'll do something. Yeah, and looking at your match tonight against Powerhouse Hobbs, you're involved, of course, in the storyline with the, the Don Callis family that continues to grow. And of course, the evolution with that growing was last week with Powerhouse Hobbs. Well, once again, it's a story that we're telling with the Don Callis family and, and Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho kind of uh, going up against these massive, you know, talented guys, great high flyers, great, you know, giant powerhouse. His name is, is, is real. So, um, yeah, I, I think the storyline's been great, and we're really excited to, to continue rolling it out, and I think people will be very excited and happy to see what we're going to do on, uh, on Tuesday for sure. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, we'll see you on Tuesday night in Kansas City. Thank you so much. We're looking forward to it, man. Like I said, AEW's always a party, and Kansas City's a great wrestling town, so we're excited to come and throw down. It's going to be a blast. Mitch Fortner sitting down with AEW star Chris Jericho. As that show again on tap tonight. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting night if you're into the wrestling wars for this season. I really think that the questions that I found on this page... I almost feel like I need to be back in Colorado to be asking some of these. (laughs) If your hand has a palm, is it a tree? 
Oh, good Lord. I don't have any idea, man. <laughs> it's been a long day. You know, one of my all-time favorite running gags, because it is just so, well, dead on point, you all realize that we do try to talk louder when we note that someone doesn't understand our language. That's true. I would agree with that. Similarly, do you press harder on your remote control when the batteries are running low? Of course. <laughs> yeah, it kind of happens, doesn't it? Yep. Um, why do we use the number two pencil instead of the number one? Why? I, yeah, that that's the question. <laughs> Should I play the dad joke bumper now? <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. What are you doing in your dreams while you're awake? I'm not kidding. This daydreaming? I don't know. Yeah, I was I was looking for some goodies to kind of go along with Dave G's usual uh, ask a K rocker type, and <laughs> I came across this, and I just I was like, okay. Um, it's six to one, by the way. Yeah, I know. I'm glad I'm not a Twins fan. I'm not a Minnesota sports fan in general. Yeah, well, there is that. I mean, at least they've got, you know, a decent stadium now as opposed to what the Dome was. Yeah. But I remember actually had a seat in the visiting, uh, I should say not the visiting, but the uh, baseball press box for a football game. Really? When K-State played at Minnesota back in uh, 93. Wow. Way they put overflow media into the baseball press box how big was the press box it wasn't that big i mean it 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 was pretty basic in terms of size just that it worked for the overflow i'm gonna now see ask you this and i i already mentioned in the chat but you know what why not did you see what tj watt did yes and that comes brings up a story to mind so tj watt dislocated a finger and ligaments damage Oof. i mean just yeah surgery likely after the season says tomlin yeah that's about right so one night at idaho state first crack at the playoff format in basketball at the time in the big sky conference mm-hmm. in the dump of a dome that they've got on campus <laughs> It's dark around everything. I yeah. mean, they're using, like, basically a lighting rig that comes down from the ceiling to light the court mm-hmm. and then keep everything else dark. Yes. Anyway, um, we're getting late in the game. We've got a center who's playing pretty well. And we're to within five points after kind of fighting back and forth between five and ten most of the night. And he goes up to slam the ball. And winds up getting caught on the rim Oof. with his finger. Oof. Trainer takes him behind the bleachers uh-huh. on the one side. Yes. And you can hear him screaming oh, as the trainer puts the finger back into oh. place. That is just painful. Oh, I, have, I have made so much fun of JB over the years for that. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, my man... You sounded like a little girl. (laughs) Yeah, but at least I got up. 
okay, yeah, you did. I can't. So, you know, all right. We'll, we'll mark that one in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch is back tomorrow. We'll see what nonsense we've got on tap for us. Maybe even some serious conversation with D.Y. Coming up tomorrow here on The Game. ESPN coming up here top of the hour. Have a great night.